Oh, yes. This is the Hardcore Marketing Show. I'm Casey Cheshire, your host for this epic journey. And today's show, sponsored by Cheshire Impact, on a mission to help people maximize their use of Pardot and Salesforce. CheshireImpact.com. Bam. There it is. I hit a button, and we are live. This thing is cranking, and I can't wait to introduce you to today's guest. She is a rock star. She is a marketing leader, but not just any marketing leader. She has that roll-up-the-sleeves mentality, like let's figure out the strategy and then get it done. Let's make sure it happens. She's not afraid to get into the mix and figure out what's going on, find out where the gaps are, expertise spanning all across everything from design to PR to CRM, sales, sales training, social, done it all. VP of Integrated Marketing at Inveris, Ashley Estelet. Welcome to the show. Hey, that was quite the intro. Thanks, Casey. <laughs> yeah, like there, the list of all the different experiences was like twice as long, but I was like, I don't know. I mean, I, I got to get some highlights in there, but yeah, you're, you're, you're up to a lot of things. You've, you've been doing a lot of marketing lately. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I think I'd probably get bored if I had to, um, to sit in kind of just one area. So it's been awesome. Yeah, I think I think a lot of us can relate to that. Where the the good thing with marketing is that you do wear multiple hats on a on a daily basis. So let me go ahead and pass you this thing. It's heavy for me, but something tells me you got this. Ugh. Okay, here you go. Thor's hammer, you got it. Okay, got it. okay, you got it. <laughs> Take Thor's hammer and smash for me some kind of marketing myth, bogus strategy, misconception. Just set the record straight once and for all. I love it. So um, this topic is super near and dear to my heart. I have so much passion around it. So the myth I'm going to smash today is that clients should be marketing's number one kind of focus. I know it sounds crazy. And while, while they're super important, my belief and my mantra has always been that sales should be marketing's number one client. Interesting. Bam. Damn, <laughs> smash. You just took, you just, whoa, careful with that. You just smashing, smashing things around that, that nice dining room of yours is just getting holes in the walls yeah. now and everything. So, so what is going on here? It, I, I guess it, does this go back to the whole, like the customer is always right. And, and your, your, your customer is your customer, right? But, but it's different with marketing. Yeah. So I think, um, I think I kind of came to this conclusion over the course of working for several different companies. I've been on teams where sales and marketing have been just in complete lockstep um, and arguably not just sales and marketing, right? Product, customer success, but it's sort of those internal, um, internal functions. Yeah. And then I've been a part of teams where marketing kind of did its own thing and sales kind of did its own thing. And the, the difference in the effectiveness of marketing, the effectiveness of sales, the brand perception overall from a public perspective it, the difference is so astounding that um, I just, you know, once I, once I kind of experienced both sides, I really saw the value in sales and marketing just being an absolute lockstep. And oh, man. It's, not, it's not always easy. Like, it's not always easy to get there. Yeah, no. And let's talk about getting there in just a second. Um, but before that, could you maybe paint the picture? Tell me about the, and which one happened first for you? Did you the, experience the siloed craziness first or did you experience like the, the nirvana harmony heaven first? Utopia, yeah. No, yeah. it was for sure, for sure the, um, the siloed group. And it was a, it was a massive company. And, um, and I think that does make it a little bit trickier. Yeah. Um, but, but I think you, 
you know, you experience that and you kind of think that that's the norm that, well, you know, sales, uh, sales just kind of tells me what to do. Like yeah. I'm just going to come support them and then I'm going to go do my own things that I think are the right thing to do. And then, um, you're going to ignore and, sales uh, and just do what yeah. you want to do. <laughs> yeah. I mean, tell me, tell, tell me more about this situation. Like, you know, you're there, you're in this company and what are the kind of things going on? What kind of activities is sales and marketing doing? And maybe after that, we can talk about the difference and what it was like in the other experience, you know? Yeah. So, um, so in this particular organization, there were a lot of, um, a lot of acquisitions that were done. The company I think as a whole, um, was a little bit siloed, but I was fortunate enough to actually sit sort of at the corporate level. So I did get to, to see and kind of dive into some of the different, um, segments and business units. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, I would, um, as, as marketing was kind of executing or planning or deciding, strategizing on what we wanted to do, I sort of realized that, um, that nobody was really talking to sales and nobody was asking sales, um, either what they needed. Um, at the end of the day, you know, sales are the ones that sort of feed everybody's paycheck sales and product, right? Yeah. They're selling the thing, right? That's what brings the revenue in. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, so I just really clearly, um, I've always had such a tremendous respect for sales and what they have to do. I certainly couldn't do it. And so, um, you know, when you, when you kind of realize that you're operating in a silo, it, you start to feel a little bit like something's missing. Um, the things we were putting out publicly, you know, whether it was on social or on the website, um, just didn't seem to align with the way sales was turning around and selling to our customer base. And so, you know, the customer ex- experience is, is super fragmented at that point, right? Your yeah. brand isn't represented, representative of, um, you know, how your sales team and, and product is thinking about, about the company and about what you offer. Yeah, I can imagine, right? You come up with some content thing you've been working on for ages and you're like, hey sales, here's this content piece. And it's like crickets. Yeah. They, didn't, they didn't use it, right? You they didn't, didn't ask them and they yeah, don't exactly. care what you have to say. And so it, it could be completely off base. It could be completely unhelpful. Yep. And you're like, ugh, sales. You just, we always make this great content for them and they just never use it. Yeah. <laughs> I think too, one of the things that I noticed that it did is it, it sort of forced inadvertently marketing to focus only on the top of the funnel, yeah. right? We weren't talking to sales. We didn't know the, the deep details of any deals that were already in the sales cycle. And so it sort of flushed um, what we did to just the top of the funnel. And I, I am such a strong believer, and my, my team would tell you this in a heartbeat, um, in marketing, helping all the way down the funnel from the top to the bottom and then client retention. There is so much that marketing can do to augment sales and their efforts. Um, but man, you can't do it without having that kind of cohesion. Yeah. And you know what? The whole age old, I always remember sales being in that kind of situation because I've definitely experienced that too. They're like hyper protective of the bottom of the funnel too. So even mm-hmm. if you but in this situation, especially if you're not asking sales what needs to happen, if you're just sort of interjecting yourself into the bottom of the funnel, they're like slapping your hand, get out of here. I don't trust you. You haven't talked to me. I, I don't know if you're in my best interest. I don't know if you're even aligned to the right numbers that I am. So no, I actually don't want you touching these leads. And, exactly. and that's how you get like the, I've seen groups where they have a bunch of leads assigned to sales and that, oh yeah, we can't nurture them because they're, they're in this stage they're in their status on, on Salesforce or whatnot. And you're like, uh, yep. how long have they been there? They've been there for like nine years. Do you think we can nurture them now? Is it, can we take them back? You just, it's yeah. just, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. You, and the, you know, you touch on such a good point because one of the ways to get there that I think, um, you know, sometimes marketers, we don't give ourselves enough credit. I had a, a mentor at one point tell me that um, if you can't market yourself, you don't belong in marketing. Mm. And so 
that to me can be applied when we're trying to gain trust from sales. You know, if historically your company hasn't done a lot alongside sales, um, you're not, you know, to your point, you're not just going to be able to turn around tomorrow and say, Hey, let me in on this deal. You're about ready to close it. Let me come in and help you out. Yeah. And so you have to build that trust over time. And one of the ways to do that is truly, like I truly believe marketers should sell themselves to sales, market yourself and your team to sales, just like they market to clients and they sell to clients. Um, you know, I think about our sales team, one of the pillars of our sales team is um, being a strategic partner alongside our clients. Yeah. Um, marketing, marketers, we should be making sure that we're proving to ourselves that we should be a strategic partner alongside sales. Um, and I think when you get into that mentality of, um, I got to kind of prove myself to them because we historically haven't done what I'm asking them to do or, you know, because you do get a little bit in their business, right? You do. And, uh, and yeah. some are more receptive than others. Right. But I think, you know, as marketers, like this is what we're good at. This is what we're good at. Put on your marketing hat and go internal and, and market yourself and give marketing that really big voice internally. Man, it, th this is really cool because there's a lot of talk about, oh, they don't trust us and we got to align, but maybe we just, and I love this. It's so like really empowering because it's saying, hey, what are you good at? Or hopefully what are you good at? You're good at, you know. <laughs> helping change perception, demand generation, build demand generation for marketing, right? Yeah, exactly. Create exactly. that demand so that sales, you're not like twisting sales' arm to, to get them to participate in your marketing activity. You're like, they're like actively involved because you keep selling them on what's, what's working. And this, that ties into things like, you know, when, when wins do happen, make sure everyone knows where it came from and, and really position that. Almost like we need our own success stories internally, you know? Yeah. And the more that, the more that um, you know, I've noticed teams start to reach out internally and bridge those gaps and come to the table with some strategic ideas. Doesn't happen overnight, but the more that marketing does that, the more sales will then start to reach back. And it's no longer that that fist fight of like, hey, did that lead come from us? Make sure you attribute it, and mm. we're missing stuff because you guys aren't. You know, you you start to um, to really come together as a as a cohesive team and as partners to each other and. What's been totally remarkable is um, when you start to see that happen and you watch the energy of your marketing team, when sales starts to inbound them and say, hey, look, I've had this deal. Um, you know, it's, it's sort of stuck here. We did, a, we did an evaluation or a demo, um, you know, a month ago. I'm just not getting any traction. What do you guys got in your toolkit? What can we do? Yeah. How, can, how can we accelerate this? And you watch the marketers get so excited when they're brought in on some of those more strategic activities, then it's not just filling the top of the funnel. It's really awesome. Wow. Well, that sounds like fun working with a sales team in that, that regard. Like they're excited to work with you and you're like, yes, I know we, we've been marketing to you for years now, sales. No wonder you love us Bring so much. In. Bring them in. <laughs> yes, come right this way. Um, how, does that take our eye off the customer though? Like how do you balance that out? How do you, is it chicken in the egg or like, how do you, not lose sight of the other it's like we got two customers how do you balance that totally yeah super great question so i think i think at the end of the day you gotta um you kind of slowly tiptoe your way into um building that relationship with sales um you're always going to do the top of funnel lead gen and it's it's um extremely important to keep that to keep that going one of the one of the things that we've found um successful and we're, we're still continuing to do it more and more um but 
try to, um, what we've tried to do is get that top of funnel to be as sort of um, always on nurturing automated as we can, right? Mm -hmm. The more that you can, you can get that top of funnel to sort of be that, that demand gen engine, leveraging whatever channels you have, whichever ones are um, the most effective. And so, you know, now to figure that out, you're getting really deep into um, the data and the analytics and your, your marketing tech stack. Yeah. Does that support your ability um, to automate a lot of that top of funnel and then be able to, to sort of take your team and say, okay, we're still going to do some creative stuff, top of funnel, some one-offs, some really big campaigns. But for the most part, that engine can kind of churn for you. Um, and then you can start getting really creative. And this gets into that creativity piece, right? Like um, your focus, you just have, have more time to focus on some of the strategic stuff. You know, this is great, right? Like sometimes people think I'm, I mean, I don't just do this show to like, well, first of all, I love just hanging out with people. And <laughs> second of all, like I get real takeaways from this. So like some of the things that I wrote down from this is it reminded, it reminded me to like that top of the funnel, the more we get it automated, the engine like you're talking about, the more we can focus on other things. And it's mm-hmm. like, yep. Yeah. I, I let that go a little bit. Gotta get, gotta get back to that. And then also keeping the top of the funnel going no matter what. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. Oh, totally. Yeah. Yep. Yep. You can't ignore it, but there's, I just, I believe so, so um, wholeheartedly that marketing can help so much um, deeper in the sales funnel. Yes. I mean, oh, for sure it can. They, we just gotta be, they gotta let us in, you know, yeah, like, to your point, your earlier point, they let, they let us in if we're, if they're our priority yep. and they were playing ball. Yeah. And a lot of that as a, as a, as marketing leaders, um, you know, our job is making sure that we're aligned with the sales leaders. At the end of the day, some of this becomes like a top-down initiative, right? Um, get in deep with them, show them and prove to them the types of things that you can do. Um, you know, real targeted ABM, um, leveraging SEO more. There's, there's all kinds of stuff that, um, that marketing can do to help sales reduce churn. I mean, how yeah. many of us, especially in this environment, are losing clients because we maybe kind of neglected them when things were, when we weren't in COVID. Right, right. And just protecting that churn base. I mean, you go to sales and tell them that you're going to help them um, reduce churn and protect that risk. Um, that's something that a lot of these, a lot of companies probably haven't heard. A lot of sales members probably haven't heard from marketing before. No, they haven't. I'm sure. Yeah. Um, man, there's so many different things here. You did mention the whole aligning with the VP. VP to VP. What is it? Do you guys do some ayahuasca together? And- <laughs> You know, like mushroom trips, or is it um, you well, know, not sweat COVID. lodges, shots till your friends? <laughs> like, right? How um, do you align with sales? Yeah, it's it's a super good question, and me personally, I've been in a really unique situation because um, the company I was previously with was acquired about two weeks before we locked down into COVID. Oh, geez. So you want to talk about a challenge? trying to come in and build those relationships and come in and tell a brand new sales leader and a brand new executive team, brand new marketing team, hey guys, you know, let's, let's dig in deep. Let's make sure we're aligned with sales. Let's do these, you know, do things a little bit differently. We've had to pull different levers being, being in COVID. And um, so it was a real challenge, but I think yeah. a lot of it comes down to, um, you know, again, you, you got to market yourself. Like you can, you can come to the table with all the ideas in the world, but you got to prove it. Yeah. And so we were, we were fortunate that, um, you know, our executive team was super receptive to, um, to trying anything, right? Like 
you guys say you can do X, Y, Z, let's see it, you know, put your money where your mouth is, <laughs> yeah. you know, if your team's up for it, um, take the challenge and prove to them why your, why your team is so valuable and what else they can be doing. Sure. Sure. I'm sure. There's that initial, okay. Show us what you got, but then you, you got to do it. You got to put yeah. something down, um, show sure. something's happening. Yeah. Do you think it's harder to uh, align when you're virtual now? For sure. Yeah. For sure it is. Um, you know, we, we live this world now um, through these calls, right? Yeah. Through Zoom calls. Um, we've, you know, our team has, um, has done, I think, a really good job of trying to set forth kind of some guidelines around um, how do we structure meetings so that there's not burnout? Um, how do we do kind of, you know, one-on-one -on -one relationship building without eating up everybody's calendar, right? You can't do one-on-ones. Um, 24 hours, 24 hours a day. You can't do it all day long, right? There's work to right. be done. Um, yeah. By the time you're done your set of one-on-ones, you go back and do more one-on-ones. Right. Yeah, exactly. Then you have to follow back up from the beginning. Um, it's super challenging. I mean, I don't know, you know, I don't certainly don't have a perfect answer. I don't know what you've, yeah. what you've experienced. You're experiencing the same thing, right? Like trying to reach out and build these relationships virtually. It's just, it's tough. Yeah. Um, you know, my, my team's always been remote. Um, and so, okay. It's, it's been at least cool that way. And then we're not like, oh, what's it like being remote? How do you be efficient? How do you keep track of things? So we already had that figured out. Um, but I think part of it was still, especially on the sales side, is that we're going to events. You know, Even if we're remote, we're going to meet up at events or um, company retreat every year. So there's still those aspects. I think there's some intangibles that happen when you're in person with someone where it's, it's kind of hard to think you can duplicate them with a bunch of zoom calls. I mean, you can only be on so many zoom happy hours, you know, um, before it's four o'clock and you're like, <laughs> yeah. I can go pick up my kids. <laughs> yeah. Early on I did one where it was like every day that week I was on happy hour and I was like, if I keep doing this, I'm gonna have a problem. Right. So maybe one's good. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. But and then you have I, yeah. kind of the other element of like, um, even if we were just virtual before COVID, we could go, we could still go on vacations, right? And yeah. you could do those things that still got you out, even if this, even if the business environment was virtual. So I think that's the added um, layer of stress and complexity is, you know, you hang up the Zoom call and at the end of the day, you're still kind of stuck in your house or still yeah. kind of. <laughs> Tell me about it. Yeah. Get me out of here. I'll go yeah. anywhere. <laughs> where, where would you fly to like right now if you could fly anywhere? Oh, the Caribbean without question. And what, what island? Um, we had a trip planned to Antigua earlier this year. Oh, it got nixed. It was going to be sans kids, um, just adults, one of our really good friends. And it was just, um, I mean, man, a beach. I'll take a beach anywhere, arguably right now. <laughs> uh, yeah. Amen to that. I, I was watching a show the other day on like, um, Martinique. Martinique. Oh, yeah. And I was like, France, which I recently was in Paris like a year ago, and I was like, "Oh, I like this." So I was like, "Oh, Paris plus a beach, sign me up for that." They're like serving croissants on the beach. I'm like, "Okay, perfect." <laughs> that sounds amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, so that's where we need to go. So, um, <laughs> that was a fun sidetrack. Um, creativity. You mentioned this earlier, hmm. and it seems like, and this ties into even the Zoom we're talking about now, where it's like, okay, another Zoom call. Yep. In in getting out of the box and. I mean, it, same old marketing, you have same old webinars. Yeah. You know, is now the time? Like, what's your take on creativity? Oh, totally. Um, <laughs> the webinar madness, um, the, the video, I mean, it's just, it's, it's what everybody turned to 
as soon as the lockdown hit. And so here we are eight, nine months in, and there's still no events. Clients still aren't meeting really in person, right? Yeah. Um, and so everybody, the, the burnout of webinars is just, is real. Um, so I think that revisiting the diversity of your sort of, um, your playbook, your marketing playbook, right? What do you, what do you traditionally do um, how is that different now? What's the burnout look like? Like, what's that reality? And this is where, again, when it comes to partnering so closely with sales, they are your eyes and ears to everything going on. Like the markets change fast. Um, clients, what clients are challenged with is probably changing by the week, um, how they're trying to structure themselves for 2021. Um, and so, you know, you're kind of kidding yourself if you think that, um, you know, that not being close with sales, that you, that you can kind of market to your customers as effectively as you should be. Right. Yeah. And so now's the time to talk, you know, what are your clients telling you? What, what does their life look like right now? Um, I imagine it's the, it's the same that we're all feeling, right? So how do you get more creative with, um, you know, with doing more search engine marketing type stuff? How do you leverage the different, the different marketing tools that are out there, you know, adjust your tech stack a little bit to what, to what arguably is going to become a much more virtual world, even when we do open back up. Yeah. And so, um, you know, I think, I think the diversity of content and it's not easy. It takes more time. Um, you know, it's not as simple as kind of firing off an email campaign. You had a guest on, um, I think it was last week and she was the head of marketing. I can't remember what company she was with, but she was saying that they actually don't do any email marketing. Like she is strictly digital, um, you know, does everything through, I, I don't know if it was um, social platforms or whatever, but anyway, mm. it was, it was very interesting because I think, I think that's the right kind of mentality right now. How do you shift from just blowing up people's inboxes, um, with the next webinar or the next, um, the next best thing? How do you leverage the content that your company can produce yeah. uh, on all these different channels, all these different channels? Yeah, that was, that might've been Angela. That was wild. It was yeah, like, was ungate everything cool. and... Just yeah. Come on, come and get it, boys. Like, come get the content. It's all here for you. Totally. Yep. No email whatsoever. And it's just like, I know that's and, cool. And it was working and she was doing great. So it's like you can really say anything at that point. Um, right, right. You're right. Like, mix it up, be creative, do something different. Not the yep. same old, same old. If yep. 30,000 other marketing teams are doing it, probably not unique, you know? Exactly. And you just got to believe that um, the clients, the buyer's journey, the way they buy now in this virtual world is totally different. So, mm -hmm. so if that's different, if the way our clients are buying is different, um, you better believe we better be relooking at, um, at everything we're doing to make sure that we're realigned with what that looks like. Yeah. Yeah. I could see that being the case. Um, mm -hmm. Just, you got to mix it up. I have this like, I have this cool idea I've been chewing on. Do you know about um, Twitch? You were talking about it last, and uh -uh, yeah. I, haven't, I haven't looked yeah. at it. I'm, I'm thinking now it's December because like we got, I got shit to do in October, November, but like come December, we're all COVID holidays anyway. So um, I'm going to do this like Twitch channel where normally people would like watch other people play video games and I will do the webinars I would normally do, or I do these podcasts and it just all be like streamed live kind of thing. That's super um, cool. Yeah. And then what's you crazy. You can, questions you can, and like, like, sure. and yeah, Why that's, not? And then yeah. like you can, um, 
people get points for the, the more they listen. Maybe you turn those points in for like swag or something. <laughs> right? Like, I, I don't that. know. And people yeah. are like, why do I have to sign up for Twitch to get into your webinar? Like there's no gates. Just, just, be, on, just be on Twitch. You can get all, these, all this content for free. Just try it out. It may be a terrible idea, but it might be worth trying it out, you know? Totally. That's the thing. And these companies, like these, these kind of small niche, um, you know, tech companies that are coming out are just, the stuff they do is crazy. Yeah. You know, and they're, they're constantly coming out with all of these new ideas and new, new ways of doing things. So, you know, it's not always easy to stay sort of up to date on all the latest stuff, but, um, but man, there's a lot of really cool stuff happening in the tech space, I think around marketing. Tell me about, tell me about the tech stack. How, what's your approach to tech? which even to marketing automation and not losing your soul in it. Like wh wh where are you at with it? Love yeah. it, hate it, beat it up. Um, so, so I, I love our tech stack with a, with a caveat that um, some of it, I just, um, you just don't end up using all of the sort of yeah. capabilities of it. It's tough to, it's tough to find sort of that holistic, um, you know, piece of technology that's going to do all of your automation, for example, like there's companies that kind of claim it, but especially being in the energy space, yeah. you know, one of the things I found really interesting is a lot of the, um, a lot of the kind of like buyer's journey and intent, um, and understanding, you know, um, the, the journey of a buyer and they're coming out with a lot of software technology. I evaluated a couple, maybe two or three years ago, a lot of data science, right. A lot of modeling, um, that sort of then tells you, at what point the buyer's sort of at that ideal optimum point for you to either market to them a certain, a certain piece of content or, I mean, it gets really granular. Um, being in the energy space, it's sort of been, um, been a neglected space, I think, mm. from that perspective. And so I haven't, this, this will be my call out to any company that thinks they can change my mind. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. What's that? Like change my mind. I think this lacks right now. Change my mind. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think, um, the energy sector has just been a little bit neglected as far as um, some of these companies being able to crack the code with um, the buyer's journey and the intent to buy um, in our sector. Cause it's tricky. It's tricky. We don't, you know, some of the, um, some of the key parameters just don't apply. You know, it's a. Like which one, like just like a different buyer's journey than a normal B2B purchase kind of thing. Well, I think it's tough to find the, um, the signals to key off of. And so a lot of these companies will say, um, oh, we can tell you if, um, you know, if somebody hit this website or um, has Salesforce or read um, this Wall Street Journal, you know, hit the Wall Street Journal or hit these certain publications. Um, the energy sector has a pretty niche um, mm. sort of world and they, no one's just really tapped into um, to a lot of the signals that I think would actually give me um, a true kind of buyer's intent, you Got know, it. whether someone has Salesforce or whether someone has a LinkedIn profile is not going to tell me. <laughs> Got it. Yeah. If they're an ideal client, right? Right. Right. Or, Oh, they signed into Twitter today. Okay, cool. <laughs> Thanks. No, I, it's not help, helping me. Really. It, it, it feels like right now it's really, um, it's a lot more like software or, or, um, B2C type. Yeah. Of it. Um, I just haven't, and our company does, we do data science. We, model data we do analytics that's literally exactly what we do and so i think i think it was pretty funny going through the last buying cycle with um one of these companies and trying to determine if it was going to be effective for us because i brought in some of our data scientists into the conversation oh no to say like hey let's talk about your models let's talk about your algorithms which is just unique to us right yeah um, yeah but it's pretty fun it's pretty fun <laughs> for the sales guy I was like oh no 
know. One of these prospects. I don't, I don't even know what the question they're asking me. <laughs> I did. Yeah. It's pretty funny. You're like, yeah. The data scientist opens his mouth, everything else like whoop in one ear out the other one. I'm actually starting to um, interview some, some marketing data scientists on here. I've got them scheduled coming up. Cause I, re I realize it's kind of an underserved part of even we talk about SEO, we talk about social, talk about things, but we don't really talk about, the nerdy data side and understanding what it tells us, you know? And there's so much like that's, that's super fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. It, the question is, can we keep it a fun podcast or does it turn into a textbook? I don't know, but at least I'll, at least we'll learn by the end of it. You know, you'll learn one or the other. You'll have a dictionary of words to look up. I'm sure. Right. As well, everyone, they're like, what? We're like, don't worry. We'll put a, we'll put a link to a thesaurus at the end. Yeah. We'll put, we'll put them all in the show notes. Yeah. You have to. <laughs> Yeah, that's awesome, man. Um, it, it, I'm just, it's just, it's crazy how things are changing these days. What, what do you think about the the future? Right, the changes, mm -hmm. you know, all the different buyers' journey changing, the COVID stuff affecting everyone. What, what do you see coming around the corner that maybe got you, has you kind of excited, like an opportunity that maybe we should be keeping a look on for? Yeah, um, I think for. I think for us, some of the really cool stuff is um, you kind of touched on it, like some of the emerging technologies around like. Um, applying AI and ML to a lot of what um, what marketing to get allow marketing to become more predictable. Um, I think some of that stuff super fascinating. I don't I don't think we're there yet, but I yeah. think there's a lot of really good stuff happening there. Um, before the COVID lockdown, one of the really cool things that we were doing we have an extremely strong um, graphics and creative team. Okay, and we started looking at um, some augmented reality, um, which was really really cool. Um, we, we, at one of our conferences, we actually brought in, um, a, uh, hologram machine hmm. and, um, took one of our, uh, geology models, put it in this hologram machine and you could stand in front of it and sort of move your hands and the geology model would like flip and rotate. And Whoa. so you, all of the rock layers and then all of like the, um, the pipes, all the fracking in each one of the layers. I mean, it was super, super cool. And, you know, it, being able to access some of that stuff nowadays and it's not you know it's it wasn't super expensive but it was um i mean that kind of stuff just from yeah. a marketing perspective and kind of giving that wow factor yeah. um there's a lot of really cool stuff um that i think you know people can people can start to leverage it was a little bit easier when we could be in person be in person um yeah. yeah we had a we had designed right before covid we had designed a brochure um that had sort of three videos on it, um, but they were static images. And then you, you know, get your phone and you access it and the video kind of plays then on your phone when your phone scrolls over it. And so um, anyway, some of that stuff um, I think can be really fun. You know, it's, it's sort of that more tangible stuff that I feel like we're missing right now too, because we're all virtual. So like something people can touch and feel and, you know, we've talked about, do we do something like that again and, and send it to people's houses, right? Um, yeah. I mean, people just aren't, you're just not getting that, that sort of, um, physical interaction with people. So do you, do you kind of start, do we go back to the days of like where we're doing mailing? <laughs> I don't know. We Maybe. might, we might have to do, I mean, it might be something different now. I mean, yeah, it's just crazy. It is crazy. I mean, I, the augmented reality stuff is cool. Cause it reminds you of like some movie you're in or something and it, it's neat seeing that in action. And yeah. I, what I was thinking as you were describing that, it just, it just sounds fun. It's like putting the fun, the F-U-N back in marketing, you totally. know, just back in, 
customers are human and exactly and emotional, right? Like you're emotional. Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, everybody buys based on emotion and, and, you know, it's funny, we were obviously a huge technology company. And, um, so, you know, as we would plan all of these events and things like that, right. You, you always want to do that thing that's that customers are going to say, well, they're totally on that kind of cutting edge. So, you know, come to your, um, your annual conference and they get to play with like a hologram machine. Like that's, that's cool. That is cool. That's what you talk about. Yeah. It's, yeah. And people talk about it. Like it's four yeah. years later. Totally. The conference. What'd you learn? Uh, I learned <laughs> that there was this cool thing. Varus, like it was great. <laughs> and I got to play with a hologram. <laughs> yeah. Varus had a hologram. Cool. Mm-hmm. And at least you remember the brand, as long as you can remember that. So you yeah. floating in midair. It's so like, oh, you know, like you have a really good commercial, but you don't remember who did it. You know, that's always like, dang. <laughs> <laughs> An opportunity missed. Well, yes. and it's, it's all about that. That's when you get into the fun stuff of like the brand perception and, um, you know, making sure that everything you're doing is, um, is in line with your go-to-market strategy, whether it's, um, you know, putting on an event or, um, you know, putting out marketing content, whatever it is, um, every image, every word, all of your messaging, all that stuff just has got to, at the end of the day, feed that ultimate, you know, brand image and brand perception. How do you do that? That sounds hard. It is, it is a little bit hard. Um, we've, we've done a really good job of it. I think, um, because we've really kept a lot of those teams super, super close. Like, um, you know, our creative team is incredibly close to marketing. They actually sit in marketing, our company's creative team. I think some, I'm not sure if some sit outside of marketing, but, um, they sit very, very close to us. Um, we, you know, we put a lot of stuff in place where, where we sort of, um, give gut checks to the team and make sure that our team says, okay, why am I doing this activity? Is it aligned with the overall strategy? Yeah. We have, um, do we have a plan to go to market for whatever this product is? Right. And does that plan align with ultimately, um, you know, the vision and the brand. Right. And, um, so aligning all that stuff, um, you got to make sure that the whole company and that everybody has, that messaging to align behind, right? It's hard to yeah. hard for people to get in line if they don't really know what the company, you know, stands for or what our vision is or what your mission is. And so, you know, if, if you feel like maybe you've lost that, it's a, um, you know, now in this environment, it's a great time to kind of give people a rally cry, something that, that your brand can stand for, um, you know, that everybody can kind of get behind in this, in this crazy lockdown. So yeah, so I think sim- that, simple message. That makes sense. That makes a lot of yeah. sense. Yeah. Well, my next question is, who are you? <laughs> how did you get all this experience? I don't know. I'm just kidding. I know. You're like, I don't even know. Um, how did you get all this experience? What was it like growing up? You take us back like little Ashley days. Where did you grow up? Little Ashley days. So, uh, so I grew up, yeah, what did I want to be? Right. <laughs> Marine biologist, like everybody, right? I wanted to swim right. with dolphins. <laughs> swim with dolphins. Yeah. Save them. That's what they do, right? Totally. Right. Oh, yeah. That's all. Um, so I was, I was born in uh, Boise, Idaho. So grew up in, um, in the Pacific Northwest. Cool. Um, grew up. Some of my like, team, some of my team right now is in, is in Boise. Oh, really? Shout out to it's, Harry. Yeah, it's totally. Beautiful. It's beautiful. Um, super, super gorgeous place to grow up. Um, grew up, you know, with doing all the outdoor stuff, whitewater rafting, cool. camping, um, all of that kind of, so that was awesome. Um, was a, was a pretty hardcore gymnast, um, and cheerleader growing up. And so that's probably where some of the outgoing, um, personality comes from (laughs) naturally. Um, Right. Yeah, probably. 
Yeah. Um, and then um, just hopped the, the border of Idaho and went to school at Washington State. Um, go Cougs. And um, got to... What you, would you do? So uh, I went to school for journalism. Okay. Um, always loved to write growing up. Like little Ashley growing up would, I, you know, I'm the kid with like the, the little books stapled together and I'd write like little, little books. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, loved it. My mom actually brought a bunch over the other day, which was so funny. She kept them all. Um, always you got loved to. Yeah, you got to. Um, went to school for journalism. My my uh, junior year of school, I did an internship with a daily newspaper. Hmm. Um, thought for sure. I was like, I'm going to be a reporter. I love to write. I love kind of the intensity of it. I can write really quickly. Um, I did one internship one summer and was like, there is no way this world is for me. Like it, it, a daily newspaper, print newspaper is so incredibly stressful. Like God bless the people that work in that environment. Right. Days where a city council meeting would be letting out and my editor would throw a notebook at me and say, you need to get down to city hall now, like within the next five minutes, interview these two city council members about this topic, which I knew nothing about you know, I was, you know, 20 and, um, and oh, by the way, come back and make sure that the story is written in, um, in the next hour. I mean, it was total madness. And so I'm That's sprinting the street, physically sprinting down the street to city hall. I mean, it's just crazy. It's just a crazy environment. And the topic may not even be that important. It may be just some. Yeah. Not that wow. important for sure. Like, um, just the, that stress of like, I knew nothing about the topic I was asking questions about. And so um, it's just a really super fast pace. So anyway, not my thing. (laughs) That's cool. You found that out though. Imagine if you just gone through all the school and you're just like, all right, world. And then like day one of your career, like JK, not for me. Yeah. So um, certainly it was not my thing. Um, And then graduated from school, moved to Seattle and um, worked in Seattle for about three years, got kind of my first marketing job because I figured, you know, being a good writer has got to come in handy in marketing. Um, My personality really fit marketing. And so um, the rest is kind of history. So after my first job, I just um, just kind of fell in love with it and had super strong mentors my whole um, my whole career. So that was awesome. How did you find those mentors? Um. You know, um, they find you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, I I remember very early on in my career, um, sort of raising my hand a lot for um, projects and things that were sort of outside my comfort zone. Um, you know, we talked about it at the very beginning, just the um, the diversity of of marketing, and I sort of wanted exposure to everything right away. And so, I feel like I was constantly kind of um, volunteering myself (laughs) for projects and it became like a very big sink or swim like I'm either going to go in and help redesign a website that I you know I've never redesigned a website before but I'm I'm going to jump in and I'm going to help the team do it and so um but man if if I look back that um just doing that and getting exposure to all of these different areas of marketing it makes you such a good well-rounded marketer um so, you know, I'd say to the extent that, that people are, you know, if you're interested in a bunch of different areas, man, raise your hand for the projects, yeah. raise your hand to get involved. Um, you know, you, you typically start working with a bunch of other functional teams, right? So you get yourself sort of out of the marketing world and get to work with product and get to work with customer success and sales and, 
um, you know, all of the different, all the different groups. So, okay. Yeah. Well, on a similar note then, um, I have a hypothetical for you. you okay. Go back okay. In time. Use my time machine, Nashua, New Hampshire, have a time okay. machine. It's in the backyard, cover the tarp, squirrels are all dancing on it right now. Uh, but we'll clear, clean it off and you can use the time machine. You go back in time okay. and you can see yourself a couple days after the undergrad. Um, okay. And I know you went back for marketing afterward, but this is before okay. that. Um, you get to go talk to yourself then and there. Okay. And what kind of advice would you give like recently graduated Ashley? What would you tell yourself? Yeah, that's a super good question. I think if I had to, if I had to tell myself anything, um, it would probably be that um, attitude is everything. Like keep a, keep a great attitude. Um, and maybe it's just top of mind right now because we're sort of in lockdown and there tends to be this sort of added um, stress that you can kind of almost feel on people right now. Yeah. Um, and not that it's not justified, but, but the more, um, you know, again, the more you can raise your hand and um, offer, offer to do things, jump in on different things. You know, I, I have it in my LinkedIn profile, like roll up your sleeves, get in the weeds. Um, and, and just, I think the most noticeable thing, like when I look at um, my mentors, when I look at people that I just, I just say, holy cow, I absolutely love working with that person. Or man, every time I jump on the phone with that person, like you, there's people that you work with that you just, um, in life, right. That you just love being around them and you love yeah. you know interacting with them and having meetings with them. And you could argue that it all comes down to attitude. Like, like, you know, be a team player, be the one that, that people are like, man, I love going to her or him because, um, they're super on top of it. Um, so, you know, I, I think I, um, you know, I think just attitude, attitude is really everything. Wow. It just yeah. makes such a huge difference. It makes a difference to your team. It makes a difference to, you know, your colleagues, to anyone, um, your work, like, you know, um, so yeah, that's, there you go. Not that that was groundbreaking, but. <laughs> Boom, no, mic drop moment, drop it. <laughs> yeah. uh, boom, there it is. Um, you know what? I don't know if you've looked at this, microphones are expensive. So now oh, once you it. shop for one, then now I'm like, every time I see one drop, I'm like, oh, oh God. And then don't one time it. it was a cruise and someone's doing karaoke and they dropped the mic and it broke it. So we, oh, we couldn't God. use that mic anymore. And so the DJ kept awesome. being like, don't drop the mic. Like don't be, these things are like, $300. Like, don't do that. Do the fake mic drop, not the real. Do, yeah. Drop a fake one. Drop like a plastic. We all need to get like plastic mics. So drop yeah. those things. Yeah. Do you remember the song? What was the song that they mic dropped on? Oh, see, that's a great point. I don't even, where, where did that come from? <laughs> I mean, it had to have been a great song if they dropped the mic, right? Is it like a thing? See, mic drop. I wonder if there, was there like an originally? I don't know. But I feel like that person must have been like really feeling it if they, if they dropped the mic afterwards. End of a speech performance. Yeah. You wonder if there was like, there was one like back in like the nineties or something where someone did it. Um, Cause there's a song. Urban, yeah. I know. I know Obama did it one time, but yeah, like, there you go. I, don't, I don't know. I don't know. That's great. Great question. These are the questions we ponder after after getting through the marketing stuff it's like what really matters is like totally where did that come from why do we all do it i don't know and in 100 years are they going to make fun of us for doing it that's probably good. probably there's probably a lot we'll get made fun of more. seriously <laughs> 100 years seriously yeah 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 so so how i mean how how is it 
you've got you've got the kids they're young they're at home how is are you doing the homeschool thing are they doing the the school you know yeah so we were we were fortunate um so we're in a suburb right outside of houston they opened back up um early september so we're what approaching like four weeks in um my littlest is not, she's in daycare. Sure, um, sure. My, my oldest just started kindergarten. So he's like really feeling like the big man in the house. Like, I mm-hmm. mean, he's around and he's like talking to his sister, like, oh, you don't go to big kid school. You don't. Go <laughs> and she's just kind of looking, she's three. She's kind of looking at him like, okay, I don't really know what that means. Right. Right. Um, but it's, um, it's, they've done it. Like, I mean, just man hats off to all of these teachers. Seriously. Uh, I had to learn Zoom pretty quick or I had to learn yeah. how to do all, handle all this stuff. And they're doing the virtual and the in-person um, like 80% of the day it's at the same time. So I, like I haven't been in the classroom because they don't let parents in, but there's got to be some kind of computer or something that they're doing the virtual option. And then they've also got, you know, all these, you know, five-year-olds in a room. Like I can handle, I can't handle one five-year-old. Like, yeah, seriously. I can't imagine 10 or however many are in his class. And so I just they're just incredible what they're trying to do right now. And, um, you know, you know, cross your fingers so far, so good. They haven't had, you know, any outbreaks. They do the masks, you know, yeah. And that, so yeah, it yeah. definitely feels like we're coming out the other end of the tunnel. I'm kind of an optimist, but it does feel like even up in New Hampshire, our numbers are super low, like, Oh, 17 people got it today. Like that's amazing. So bad for 17 people, but there's a 1.3 million other people in New Hampshire that didn't get it. So that's great to see that it's coming down as opposed to yeah. being some crazy other spike. Yeah. Are they doing pretty good in the schools? Like, have they opened up the schools kind of, or is, is it all virtual? It's a good question. Yeah. Um, they, for ours, they actually, they were going to say um, everything, everyone's remote to October. And then October, you can either stay remote or go hybrid. Okay. Um, and we were going to just stay remote for a bit, but then- yeah. They pushed it back to November. So maybe we have another oh. chance now in November to see, oh, you want to do hybrid or okay. so yeah, okay. we're just trying to you know, play it by ear. But it's been interesting um doing some of the stuff at home with the kids too. Oh, I bet. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So where are they now? Do you have them like chained in a closet so they don't interrupt the podcast? <laughs> they are, right? Yeah, they haven't come in. Sometimes the, my son will come in and be like, Hey, what's the password for the iPad? Like, what's the password. And I'm like, not a good time. Dad's talking to the the computer, not usually a good time. I've been in like a webinar. And, uh, you know, like the new, the CNN news thing that happened, right? And right. I, I wasn't ready for it. And I turned red <laughs> and, you know, like, I'm like, uh, uh, and I like mute. And then I had to like walk away. Thankfully, there's other people on the team who were like, okay, carrying on. But, yeah, totally. you know, like it's, now I know. It's, but it's totally the world we're in now, right? Like It is. Are, it's no big deal. Yeah. It's no big deal. I was on a, for a while, we had the kids home when COVID first locked down. And I was on a Zoom call in my office. And, um both my children run in and they're not dressed like and I was like uh, it's 11 a.m and I'm like what what is happening what, what how did we get here right guys so it's just I don't know I don't know what you do yeah super tough you're just like uh I'll be right back <laughs> I've had to get off calls because my daughter comes in that there's a spider on the wall so I've had to go kill spiders in the middle of you know in the middle of conference calls so it's um it's definitely the world between mom and um and sort of career professional. Oh, yeah. How how do you how do you balance that? It I don't. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of wine, I don't know. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's super it's super tough. It's super tough. Like you kind of had like a commute 
to, you know, um, commuting home or something, right. To get your mind sort of mm. in, in the next gear of mom mode. And, um, you just don't have that now. Like I slam my computer shut and haul to go get the kids and you don't have that, that time yeah. to kind of adjust. And so, um, it's super tricky. I don't know. We'll see if my kids, um, survive and what they're like in a couple of years and <laughs> I'll let you know if I did a good job or not. Well, as long as they're alive and you yeah. haven't, yeah, you keep That's feeding them. They don't make you angry enough not to feed them. Then we're good, I guess. But totally. yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely a, a challenging aspect and I really luck out that I'm not that like primary caregiver, but, I'm, but what's cool is now you, you get to help out a lot more because I'm at home too. So we can like take, I take over at night, you know, it's like, I got it. Yeah. I got it, yeah. you know, and it's cool that way, but yeah, that yeah it's hard. Awesome. It's totally mm -hmm. hard. It's like the real hard. We were, we complained about our first world problems before this. We're like, Oh, my coffee's cold or, Oh, they misspelled my name on my Starbucks cup. You know, <laughs> it's that's for sure. That's a really good silver lining, right? Like we're going to come out of this and be like, man, I'll happily take my 45 minute commute. Like I'll happily take the time to myself. Yeah. Actually, it's actually, you know, that's weird. People might actually want commutes now. <laughs> Like the quiet time with no. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. And that, and they just want to listen to more hardcore marketing podcasts and like oh, travel time to do it. Yeah. Um, that's what everyone's for sure thinking. For sure. For sure. Everyone. <laughs> All three of us listening to the show today. Um, <laughs> no, there's a few more. There's a few more. But um, where can people connect with you? They want to reach out. They want to say hi, learn more from you. Yeah. Um, probably LinkedIn, honestly, is the, okay. the best way. And I, I absolutely welcome anything, like any ideas, like, um, man, I, you know, this environment too has kind of made me realize, um, how important it is to kind of brainstorm with other marketers, yeah. um, connect, share ideas, like what's working. Um, I've got, I've got a, um, CMO that I, that I try to connect with quite a bit. And, um, it's like, you know, you hear how are they, what, how, what are they doing? You know, what yeah. are, what's some of the creative stuff, you know, I've heard people doing really intimate virtual sessions where they send clients like a bottle of wine and, um, you know, you do it from like six 30 to eight at night, as opposed to like, you know, during business hours. So, I mean, there's just a ton we can learn from each other right now. It's so true. It's so yeah. true. And it's not even competition. It's just all, we're all, all in this mix together. Totally. Totally. Yep. Well, I, and I know if people have learned something here and I freaking know they have because I've got like two pages of notes over here, front and back, right? Awesome. <laughs> all this stuff. And like that, that came from today. That's not like some other piece of paper. Yeah, um, I like the boxes too. <laughs> oh yeah. Some of these things are like, oh, oh, this, like, no, like actually this and like this too. Um, but yeah. If you've learned something today, share this episode with someone else. Totally. Um, LinkedIn's a great place for that. Tag Ashley, tag myself. Absolutely. We'll comment. We'll start a conversation, but that's thought leadership, you know? So that's what people need to do yes, uh, for yes. sure. We and all, with that, right now. thank you so much for being on here. This has been fun. This was like, hopefully this was a good break between intense sales calls and all the other things you got to do. Yes, it was awesome. I totally needed this. <laughs> thank you so much for, for sure. having Well, we'll have to make a regular, it's like marketing therapy. Make it a regular every quarter or so. Get oh, back yeah. and see what's changed and catch up and that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, think about it in another quarter, we're all going to have, you know, a ton of new stuff that we've learned or that we've tried. Yeah. That we're, yeah it's just going to change rapidly. And the buyer's journey may be completely different. Yep. Yep. Probably will be. <laughs> right. Just when I was getting used to this one. Yep, That's how it works. <laughs> Man. Well, thanks again. I mean, this is, this is cool. I definitely have to chat again. 
Awesome. Sounds great. Thanks, Casey. Yeah. And for those people listening, this has been the Hardcore Marketing Show. We will catch you all next time. Bye.